This is Cher, and I'm here with Jason and Rob. Guys, if you had to describe this podcast in five words or less, what would you say? I'm going to go with Wild E. Coyote guzzling gasoline. I'm thinking climate change diarrhea hurricane. (laughs) Are you serious? Maybe I should do this thing on my own. Fine. It's a show about how to stay sane in a world where there's too many people consuming too much stuff and the planet can't take it anymore. You had me at diarrhea. Caution, if you're allergic to four-letter words, you might want to try a different podcast. Hey guys, you uh, you ever watch any of these goddamn superhero movies that are coming out all the time? Very yeah, powerful. I saw Superman 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that like in 1988? Jesus Christ. No. Is, I, is that, low, that long look, ago? I took my daughter to see one of the new Marvel movies. Well, I don't know if it's that new, but we, we went to see uh, Avengers Infinity War. Have you yeah. seen this movie? No. 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 no it's Infinity, not. though. Yeah. Wow. Well, so... This movie is about this bad guy, you know, all the superhero, bad guy versus good guy. So the bad guy here is this evil dude called Thanos, and he goes out and he collects magic rocks, right? <laughs> what? Yeah. Come on. It's, it's Magic rocks? Like you don't have any magic rocks in your this collection? This is what the evil guy decides he's going to do with yes. his, his time. Yes. Well, the, but the magic rocks give you the ultimate power in the universe. And what does the bad guy want to do with the ultimate power? Throw my people? No, he... He realized he he's a limits to growth guy. Wow. He knows that the people or people like creatures in the universe are reproducing and consuming too much, and he's the only guy with the stones to do anything about it. <laughs> the, literally, the rocks. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. We have the resources of the universe at our disposal now, and still there's overpopulation. Yes, and so what he wants to do is instantly kill half the people like creatures of the galaxy or universe so that's his plan that's his have the people just have the people wait half of them gone okay just wipe them out and these magic rocks can do that it's like corvallis in the summer it's wonderful here oh yeah we're in a college town everybody (laughs) leaves yeah yeah (laughs) but we're not killing them okay no we're not killing them they're not leaving because you're throwing rocks at them no he doesn't throw the rocks he uses the magic power of the rock oh incantations and stuff i was completely ridiculous with my, uh, yeah, I know that's uh, yeah. yeah. Suspend some disbelief here. All right. Okay. Got it. Magic <laughs> so, rocks so kill and, half and, the population. And what, what are the what are the good guys? The good guys, of course, are the Avengers who believe in the ultimate uh, ability of technology to overcome any problem. Right? Sounds reasonable. You know, Iron Man. What what is Iron Man? He's a super rich guy with yeah, uh, the latest greatest technology at his. Uh, Elon Musk, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Elon Musk. He made that in a cave with like a transistor radio. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah, makes MacGyver look like a complete putz. I know. Yeah, if he had had duct tape, you know what he put it on? Duct tape. God, that stuff. He would have been Titanium Man instead of Iron Man. (laughs) Wait a second. So, so okay. So these guys believe that technology can sort of overcome all limits. So would they have this conversation with this Thanos guy about it? No, no. But so this is this is what floors me. Like like. Uh, okay, it's an idiotic plan anyway for the bad guy. Because if you were to kill half the people, whatever, in another generation, they just uh, reproduce and, and well, unless repopulate. you got rid of the half was one gender, right? 
Well, yeah, that's a good point. Although maybe uh, if you go all Jurassic Park, you just uh, asexually reproduce. Sure, I'm sure CRISPR, you can do that now. I think if we're talking about a whole universe, the three of us are going to be like species that can do that. We're not going to be needed pretty soon. We're going to you and me. Well, I mean, like our gender won't be needed. I was very worried where you were going when you mentioned (laughs) the three of us and reproduction, but right, uh, I'm I'm past my prime. You you were worried. Our listeners were Uh, worried. So. But no, my point is, it's a dumb plan anyway, but but still, like, this is the evil guy, the one who's worried that we're consuming too much. Okay, that's and, a good worry. And the good guys are... But uh, the asteroids are being mined, there's plenty. Ah, yeah. But, the, but I mean, the good guys can, can overcome this. Anyway, it just, here's supposed to be this fun superhero romp I'm watching with my kid, and I I just got kind of in this, wow, it's so apocalyptic in oh. pop culture. Everywhere you turn... They're talking about the end of the world, the whether it's... It um, seems like it, it really does. Like, like, like children's fiction nowadays, like 12-year-olds are reading dystopian novels. They're like the most popular thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hunger Games, Maze yeah. Runner. Young, exactly. There's a whole genre, a specialized genre, young adult dystopian fiction. Really? Oh, yeah. But, it, but it's the most popular genre, too, right? That's, yeah, uh, I, mean, that's the best I think sellers. a lot of adults are, are reading those, too. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Why? So yeah, what's I mean? I I feel like you can you can you, know, you can just list movie after movie. There's all these okay. subgenres even right? like uh, yeah. you know you can go to the zombie movies. You can go to the technology is going to get us. You, okay, sure. Like like Terminator. Yeah, you can go to the natural disaster kind of thing. Yeah, or, asteroids or, or, and stuff. Or, or a man-made. earthquakes. Yeah, volcanoes. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. So what what is going on with that? Yeah. I like zombie movies. <laughs> I I don't know. You think that that's you think it's more now than than it has been in the past? Well, I don't. I mean, I am not a biblical scholar, but it seems like there is a little bit of apocalyptic uh, vision there. But but I don't know. It just seems like there's just so many movies. Um, you want to you want to go through a couple of them? How yeah. about how about some really fun ones like Children of Men? You guys ever see that? <laughs> that was awesome. I saw horrible. Children of the Corn. I yeah. see Children of Men. Well, that's a happier movie than <laughs> really? Children of Men. Yeah. How, about, how about that other happy one, The Road? You ever see that? I didn't oh. see that. I, one. I, I was couldn't afraid, watch I was afraid that. to see that. I, I read that book. I was I couldn't watch that. Oh, yeah. Well, remember that really scary one, Wall E? (laughs) (laughs) Well, how's that apocalyptic again? Dude, Uh, the robots left there with on this planet full of to clean up our shitty mess. I know. I just remember some like 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 uh, like Carnival Cruise in space with (laughs) with like drinks they can slurp. Right. Is something wrong with that? Well, apparently there's some waste. Apparently, the universe in this case is a closed system. Even so the universe isn't big enough for you us. You consume stuff, and it comes with waste, right, as a byproduct. Or so we, we, we grow to screw up the universe in Wally. Apparently, yeah. Wow. Well, you know, and then Thanos. It. Thanos is feeling the same way. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Thanos, Wally. Maybe they need to start like a special, their own sort of alternative to the. Yeah. Uh, They'll call it the Magic Rocks Club. It'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna get I got your Magic Rocks right here. Do you know that in, when my I took my kids to see Wally? And they were handing out trinkets at the end. Did I already talk about this? No, yeah. but I remember that. It was a, I didn't go to see it, but I remember the story coming out. Disney's giving away a free plastic digital watch they or did something. Not. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm not kidding. Yeah, you free. walk out of a movie that is a, this, this sorrowful tale of yeah. waste, yeah. what we've done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they're handing out shit? I feel like I, we talked about this in another episode. We didn't? I don't know, but it's, it's worth talking it's worth about talking every about it time. Again? Yeah. Okay. So this this, this like pimply faced like 16 year old kid who works in the movie theater 
is like handing my eight-year-old kids this plastic trinkets, and they're about they're like crying after seeing Wally, <laughs> and they give them this plastic trinket, yeah. and they get it. Right, but they probably Your got kids a, get it. I bet they got a nice yeah. dopamine hit though, I, when I, they got I, the plastic trinket, and it was all better. I wanted to punch the kid in the mouth, just like Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> You're referring to another episode. I, Nobody's going to know what you're talking I, I, about. Exactly. This is confusing for Let's me. Let's get back to the question. Is it getting more apocalyptic? Well, you know what? I looked up just some zombie movie titles. Okay. I was kind of like, oh. You did your zombies homework. Zombies are, yeah. The, you're good. There's kind of a zombie craze going on. I want to hear and, this and just, so This bad. is a little, little smattering tell for me, you. Tell okay? me, please. We got Night of the Living Dead, The Walking Dead, Dead Alive, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead. 28 days later, 28 weeks later, World War Z, Zombieland, Aliens versus Zombies, Bigfoot versus Zombies, Navy Seals versus Zombies, and MILFs versus Zombies. <laughs> if that is not apocalyptic. MILFs versus Zombies? Yes. Uh, that's horrible. That sounds terrible. I don't know if that's apocalyptic. I think that's playing for a specific demographic. Yeah. Well, the 12 times that I watched it, each time <laughs> I, guess I thought you're it the was demographic. apocalyptic. <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. zombies are actually, you know, are are they're part of the political discourse as well. There's a presidential candidate who was advocating. Uh, he actually, he's my favorite presidential candidate of all time. His name is Vermin Supreme. <laughs> he uh, he's got this enormous beard. Yeah. He wears a boot, a big kind of rain boot, yeah. you know, galoshes or whatever, on his head upside down. Okay. Okay. Kind of looks like a wizard's hat. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I've seen pictures and, of him. Um, and he, he actually talks a lot of, of of wisdom. I mean, one of the things in his campaign is offering a free pony to everyone. Okay. <laughs> Who could say no to that? Right. right? Is it and a then, plastic pony? No, it's not a plastic pony. It's a real pony. pony. It's a real pony. A real pony. <laughs> and, and then the next, the next idea was harnessing the awesome power of zombies no. to get us off of our addiction to fossil fuels and oh. and mitigate climate change. This is this is true. This drives yeah. me crazy. So in zombie movies. Yeah, so we'll all, what do they eat? They don't have enough to eat. Well, so what he's advocating for is you put them basically, you know how you used to tie oxen or horse right. or whatever, exactly. you know, to to the grist mill, right? Yeah. So you just put zombies there, you dangle some some meat in front of them and they just right. walk around in circles and forever. you get your turbine, apparently forever. they never die. Yeah. Right, That's a great solution. It's a great scene of a brain dangling from a pole <laughs> in front of a dead human walking in a circle. You could probably make it like a plastic brain, like it doesn't look right, like right. a brain. And he's like, <laughs> I, I think all you got to do is make it an iPhone, and then just make a lot of people uh, would just sign put up a regular for that. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Must answer iPhone X. You don't. No, no. Every every ten minutes, you have to put a new iPhone in. Though. Oh, that's, right. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Update the operating. So system. here's the thing. You're right. I mean, obviously, the, the the zombie thing is is pretty popular. There's there's other things. The, what's interesting to me is I actually think you know, I I don't think. Uh, apocalyptian movies or stories are necessarily that new. I don't know if there's a lot more of them. It's more maybe the subject matter that they're exploring that's interesting. Hmm. You know, how it relates. There are ones that relate closely to climate change or like WALL-E to, to, you know, environmental pollution that we're causing. We had a whole bunch of stuff in the 70s, like Soylent Green. That was a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. I think back then it was more like there's too many of us. But yeah, but yeah now it's it's the whole range. I mean, like there's... One of my favorite uh, apocalypse subgenres is the technology is going to get us. You know, you have the the Matrix and the sure. Terminator, and 
the singularity uh, more, more recently mr robot right uh, right these kind of um yeah very dystopian we're overdoing it and, yeah and blade runner was lost. awesome yeah. yeah i didn't see the new one but it's uh, very good yeah rains a lot still nice <laughs> it rains a lot oh, we yeah. don't have to worry about the climate there or running it's in out los of water. angeles yeah but so the question that I've had around this is why? Why this uptick? Or why why is it so common? Why are little kids reading about people that would normally be their peers in grade school or learning how to bow hunt other humans? You know, like <laughs> why, why why are we seeing this? Yeah. Oh wow. Well, you know, it's funny because I remember I I went to school in California. In grade school, in oh, the where 70s. they where they taught humans bow hunting other humans. <laughs> well, I would say that there was like a little bit of an environmental education even in grammar school. Okay, but I think today though, it's way more intense even than when than when I was going to school in the in the seventies. And so I'm wondering if like there's just so much information for kids, but then they look around and they see the adults. Apparently, the people who are supposed to take care of them and be responsible, you know, and tuck them in and stuff. But really, we're not doing anything like that has any significant consequence to deal with the problems they hear about. So it's like we're not fixing climate change. We're not fixing the biodiversity. Do you think we are? Are are you going to argue that we are? But so the point is, because they see us not fixing it, they've got to have this fantastic escape to... Well, it's like, it's all going to go to shit. Yeah, but it's all going to go to shit. It's an escapism that says, yes, it's going to go to shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. What I think is, um, I I still don't, I'm still not sure that we're seeing uh, an order of magnitude difference in terms of people's... How about 5X? Let's just call it 1.2X. Okay. I, I think, I I think, I mean, think about... Cold War stuff, right? Okay, that was bad too. I mean, I would well, duck and cover. There's sure. different kinds of stories that people tell themselves are the things that they're worried about. It's just Fine. that maybe now they're they're more like Hunger Games, for example. You know, yeah. There's there are maybe both some some natural limit issues there, well, but there's also a justice. I think issue there. I think where it came to me is you know okay, so an old superhero movie. Yes, there was an existential threat from some other bad super guy, right? Like. Like the uh, back to that again. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like okay. some some evil characters just coming out. He's just Luther. Like Luther. To, yeah, wants to yeah. wants to burn the world or whatever. I think that's what they say in Batman. Okay. You know, like Joker has no purpose other than just messing with people. Okay. But here the guy is like, no, I'm I'm actually good. I I but I need to stop the resource depletion, so I'm going to wipe out half the universe. Right. Jeez. It's to me, it's a it's a different thing. It's like the whole issue is that we're trying to re we're seeing these things happen like the the sixth extinction yeah. uh, climate change the loss of you know a large percentage of our topsoil where you know people are worried about their aquifer drying up and so it's a you know antibiotic resistant uh, uh bacteria are, are making the rounds so we need like this way to look at the this dark stuff where we can say oh that's just fiction and we don't have to it's like fiction to deal with nonfiction. well there's always what's weird though are like at the same time that our culture is doing that okay let's just take your premise that we're using you know entertainment to sort of deal with the the angst we have about these things at the same time probably in the same individual personal like the per people 
have this incredible faith in technology. They're they're looking at their iPhone updating and it's wonderful, or their Android or whatever it is, and they're seeing the com- the new computers and they're and they're seeing three D printing and they're they're uh, looking at uh, Elon Musk on a on a video and he's talking about going to Mars, and and many people believe that as well. So I maybe the same the, the same people are holding these two con- completely contrasting views of our future in their heads. Well, I th- I think that that's actually, that is a human condition. I don't think that that's a particularly new phenomenon either, that people tend to view the future in either, in in extreme terms, right? Okay, it's right. either going to be a techno-utopia or a different kind of utopia where it's like, a, you know, this, this dream future well, you know, or it, heaven or <laughs> it's, or it's hell, right? Yeah. Well, even some of like like the some of the environmentalists say we got to completely embrace technology, uh, nuclear power, and genetic engineering, and completely make the world over to serve our needs, or or we're in trouble. Right. And, you know what and, I mean? And getting in bed with with corporate entities as well. Like right. you, you wouldn't have thought this back in the early days of environmentalism that like. We're going to work with the corporations to right. to solve the the environmental crisis. I think what's interesting about you know the and I haven't seen this movie right, but what's interesting to me about the premise that you laid out about the movie is that it's it's and obviously this guy is a bad guy for going out there and trying to you know kill off half of the the living beings in this in the universe, but that he feels like you have to go to this these pretty extreme lengths to deal with it, with this issue. Whereas I think it's true that in society today, that if people talk about things like we need to massively reduce the human population on this planet, they're treated like pariahs in a sense, Yeah, you know, including within the environmental movement, because you don't want to do that. I don't know that the environmental, the kind of mainstay environmental groups are advocating for technology because they're offering a utopian vision of the future. I think that they're all, they're pushing technology as a solution because they think it's the only thing that it would be palatable enough right. to to enough people in society to kind of shift the, the trajectory on, which is a dystopian one. And the, fa- and the, and the funding class potentially sure. too, right? Sure. But what I was getting at was that you were just touching on this, Jason, that that there are these kind of dominant archetypal types of stories. They manifest in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be zombies attacking us. It could be, you know, an asteroid. My favorite are zombies. My zombies are my favorite. Yeah, my favorite are zombies on asteroids. Oh, wow. Yeah. God, I got I to gotta look that up. Yeah. With, with MILFs. With MILFs, <laughs> of course. It's the MILFs who are the zombies, actually. So, <laughs> so y- you're talking about the this dichotomy, these two different myths, the progress myth, the technology will save us, and the apocalypse myth. We uh, have a colleague, John Michael Greer, who's written this pretty cool article that, that sums that up really well. Oh, you've done more homework. Yeah. yeah you're good. I, like, I like to do that sometimes. Uh, thank you so yeah. much. Uh, we, our Keep listeners appreciate that. Keep us moving. I pulled a couple of quotes out of there to describe it. He, he calls one the progress myth. And here's how it goes. He says, with the coming of the scientific revolution 300 years ago, the slow triumph of reason over nature shifted into overdrive and has been accelerating ever since. Eventually, once the last vestiges of primitive superstition and ignorance are cast aside, our species will leap upward from the surface of its home planet and embrace its destiny among the stars. (sighs) Wow. 
And I assume he's talking about actual stars in the heavens, not the the Katy Perry, uh, okay. Nicki Minaj. Dancing, uh, with, yeah. dancing with them. Yes. Okay. So that's the progress myth. And, I love it. And most of the people, at least here in the United States, have bought that myth. I want it. Uh, the apocalypse myth is a, oh, little, it's a little tougher. Okay. Uh, you okay. guys ready to hear that? Fine, go for okay. it. Okay. He says... People once lived in harmony with their world, each other, and themselves, but that golden age ended with a disastrous wrong turning, and things have gone downhill ever since. The rise of vast, unnatural cities governed by bloated governmental bureaucracies, inhabited by people who have abandoned spiritual values for a wholly material existence, marks the point of no return. Sometime soon, the whole rickety structure will come crashing down, overwhelmed by sudden catastrophe, and billions of people will die as civilization comes apart and rampaging hordes scour the landscape. Ouchie poo. Sounds a little like zombies, right? I, I, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why I'm drawn to zombies, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's because out here you you watch scouring hordes uh, uh, coming look, for your family. Or? Rob is pointing to the to the to the farm fields uh, <laughs> outside of my library. We're recording. I, I, I I'm trying to picture the hordes <laughs> marching down the fields. I can't. I, I think that um. I mean, so so Greer's premise here is that because I've I've read that piece too. Obviously, that these are very common sort of dominant stories that we we tell ourselves. But they're just that, in a sense. So it's easy for us to fall into this, um, into these sort of these old tropes, you know. Yeah. And they might they might have different characteristics at different times, you know, in terms of what is the vision of utopia or what is the vision of like this Armageddon situation. But we have a hard time imagining kind of the messy middle, yeah. and uh, and that includes a, a lot of people that I think are are sort of in our camp who are concerned about these, uh, what we call the E4 crises, right? These, this kind of, uh, confluence of energy constraint issues and, you know, environmental issues like climate change and Equity. issues in terms of the, the economy yeah. and its inability to keep growing and issues like you were saying, Jason, about equity and gro- sort of the growing divide between, you know, haves and have nots. And they kind of see that all collapsing in this sort of, Seneca Cliff uh, right. moment. What does that mean, Seneca Cliff? I, it, hear, I hear that some, but don't. It's basically like literally falling off a very sharp drop. So that, it's that's like, an it's actual like, cliff somewhere. I guess Seneca there's, cliff. It's, it's got a. I think it's got a gentle slope up to the peak, and then it just just falls off a cliff, okay. as opposed to a bell shaped curve. So the, you can think of the you can think of the rise and fall, say of of civilizations as being a bell-shaped curve where they they grow they they get at they add complexity and then there's power and they spread geographically and then they just sort of start shrinking back and and the periphery starts becoming more simplified and and more independent again and then and then they they wither down to the core again but it you know it's kind of genteel but so right? as but opposed so. to like Boom, and then there's like cannibalism in the streets, right? So if the uh, asteroid doesn't smack the planet and right. blow everything up, you're, you're talking a share then about the, this messy middle. Like it's 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 not one way or the other. Like yeah, we even if you experience a collapse, it's not immediate. It's more cannibalism light. <laughs> <laughs> Diet, uh, <laughs> diet people for the zombies. Well, you like, just eat limbs instead of the entire body. Okay. Right. Okay. That sounds tasty. I'm sorry. That was bad, wasn't it? 
it, what's interesting for me is, you know, why are we inclined to sort of in, in imagine those those extreme visions of the future? Because I would probably say, you know, John Michael Greer wrote this wrote a book called The Long Descent, and I think in that he argued, if you look at sort of historical precedent, right, of societies that have gone, he would agree, I think, with the premise that we're dealing with with limits, right? Limits yeah. our ability to grow. Yeah. And so we look at other societies who may, may have gone through some kind of a limit to their ability to function the way that they have. Um, and there are certainly are historical, you know, precedent for that. And that in many cases, they are a longer descent when they go through that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, it didn't fall in a day, you know, it took a long time. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's in some ways relieving for those of us who are concerned if if he's right. If he's right, yeah. If he's right. It's relieving to us to think that, okay, we hit sort of this this peak, we are on a decline of some kind, and but it's a gradual or it's a punctuated descent of some kind where maybe there are these moments of a lot of chaos, but then there's these other moments where kind of things even out for a little bit. That gives us time to adjust and, and, and sort of shift and prepare and, and do whatever we need to do. So on the one hand, that's really appealing of an image, but we're still in this cultural reality where people kind of, that story doesn't really appeal to people. Well, right? you know, here's what bums me out because, okay, if you believe the apocalypse, then okay, that scenario, you're like, oh, I don't have to do anything about it. It's all going to just go to shit. And then, you know, you know, I'll start eating people or they'll eat me or whatever. And it's over. It's going to be pretty quick. Okay. All right. No, no big deal. I don't have to do anything. Or if you believe in the complete progress method, like, I don't do anything, we'll be start mining asteroids, and then we'll be, you know, setting up uh, Bed Bath & Beyond on Mars or whatever it's going to be. All right? so in- Mars is the beyond. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. So uh, so both, both of those extremes are kind of like giving an excuse to do nothing. My feeling, okay, we're going to talk about feelings in this, in this show, right, in this podcast. Of course. Okay. My feeling is that, if you don't want it to be a Seneca cliff, if you want it to be more of the long descent, do something about it. Mm-hmm. All right, work. Work to soften the blow. If you don't do the work to soften the blow, if those of us who aren't aware of the, of the issues don't take some proactive measures, even if it's just like, you know, the little things we can do in our own lives, enough of us doing that, I think will help soften the blow. And I think that's that's... That's important. Well, and, and I think for me, as you're going through a radical societal transition, we may jettison some crap that we never really wanted in the first place. You know, this whole consumerist, materialist uh, mindset. Yeah, okay. Look, it's great. I'm speaking into a microphone. I, I can't. I can't nice. make this thing. No, there's a very you know, nice. Like somebody are... made this somewhere. I just bought it. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. Like, there's. There's some things to be said about the ability to purchase consumer goods, but the notion of that's how you win the game, right, is by earning more money all the time and buying more stuff. Like, I don't mind that we might get rid of that and we might spend more time uh, enjoying one another's company, um, sitting around the fire telling stories or, you know, just being a community of people together. But I agree with you that you got to do the work to make that possible so it's you know we don't want to watch some devolving into chaos dark ages scenario but i I want to get it back to to what we're talking about before which is like why you know why are we 
why are these stories being told? Why are they popular? And if we agree with the premise that there is a tendency to tell these stories of extreme prosperity or well-being or whatever, utopian vision and and kind of a, a dystopian vision on the other side, why do we incline to those things? And I think that, and then what can we do to combat them? Because yeah. you said, Jason, like, if we want to have a long descent, the best thing that we can do rather than a Seneca cliff, then we have to take some kind of action, right? But we have to sort of understand why people tend to revert to these to these stories or these these visions of the future. Part of it is, like you said, is that maybe they don't have to take responsibility for it. The other, I think, is that we evolved as a species in scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. Most of our history as a species, we were scrabbling to to make ends meet day by day. And when we found, and we had urgent, you know, threats, mm-hmm. and we had urgent opportunities, and it was like feast or famine, all or nothing. Uh, and we were kind of, I think our brains were sort of trained to view the world that way. So it's hard for us to take a long measured view of the future and then still feel agency about it, right? It doesn't right. feel as urgent. I think that that's why, you know, people, they say, yeah, they're concerned about climate change. And you talk to people about, you know, worrying about the climate for your grandkids. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah I love my grandkids. Fuck them. It's, you not know that ur- it's not that urgent when I can <laughs> yeah. go buy a ticket for a cruise line well, and you watch, get, uh, watch the ice capades you in get the bottom immediate- deck of the, <laughs> the cruise. You, know? you get an immediate reward, right? right. Um, so, so I think a key thing here is if, if we're... If that's a tendency of ours, if it's an innate sort of ingrained tendency of ours, are there things that, that we can do to, to, to act upon that but foster things that are actually put us in the mindset where it's not like the world's going to shit tomorrow. We got to get our guns, our gold, you know, <laughs> put them in the bunker. Cans of beans. Right? You remember that we um, – uh, another colleague of ours, Douglas Rushkoff, who's, uh, who's been a, a writer and, a, and a, a critic of technology for a long time, you know, he told a story that I thought was really fascinating, and that was that he, he was invited, he thought, to give a, to give a talk, talking about some of the issues with, with modern technology and kind of where, where culture and society are going. And they paid him a shit ton of money. I mean, it was yeah. like, the, I think, the best honorarium he'd gotten. So he thought, okay, I'm going to go talk to a bunch of, I don't know, financial sociopaths in a big hall somewhere. <laughs> Maybe he didn't think that way. That's how I would describe yeah. it. Instead, he comes into this space, and he had prepared all these remarks, and there's like five guys there, <laughs> right? There's like no big hall with a big crowd of people, you know? It's like a scotch club. E- each like, one of these guys has 10 times the amount of the whatever big hall full of people would have had, right? Like in terms of wealth, wealth and dollar. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah so... There are these five billionaire types, and they want to have a conversation with him, basically. Wow. Like, they're anticipating that there's going to be this Armageddon-type collapse that happens, and they're like... Technology is going to fail, we don't, we don't want to prepare comments from you. We just want to ask you some questions, right. you know? Like, <laughs> like, what are we going to do? These guys call it the event, like after the event, that's whatever the, that's it is, the euphemism. The, yeah, whether the zombies, dinosaurs, technology, okay. asteroids, whatever, something. You know? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. And what was a? There was one thing. Like uh, one of the questions was. So I, I got my bunker. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. Right? I got my bunker. I got you know 
uh, stored food that's going to get me by for years or decades or whatever. I, I, I built this compound in New Zealand. Good place. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm all set up and I got my guards. Like, how do I make sure my guards stay loyal to me? Right? <laughs> can you imagine you're invited somewhere to, to give people advice and they're asking you, how do you keep your, uh, your, your guard service loyal through the apocalypse? I cracked that one. Sexual favors. No. No? No. Jesus, do I tell people this? Well, Rushkoff had an answer. What was his? His was start being nice to them now. <laughs> that okay, that could work, but just a great answer. But you know, do you know what has worked throughout history? What has worked throughout history? Uh, beheadings. <laughs> religion. Hmm. Religion. So start a new religion, yeah. and you could be the uh, the conduit, the holy to man. God. <laughs> You're yeah. the holy man. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, bring back the kings, right? Yeah. In some ways, what I mean, there's actually we might see that actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a theory of how there's actually theories of why and how religion evolved, and it evolved in order to have people be cohesive in in larger and larger groups beyond which you could know each other as family members and 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 small tribes. So there's a whole theory of, of religious uh, innovation, so actually. This is sad because the old uh, builders of religions used to be guys who were probably like kind of down and out, and they saw that as a way to make it, you know, but... But now we're talking about billionaires becoming the next uh, the next Brigham Young or whatever. Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. Yeah. Yeah. That's an Oregon reference. Go uh, watch Wild Wild Country. <laughs> yeah. But no, no, I think though that's that's interesting though, is that is that religion was a way to do this without sort of monetary transactions. How do you how do you have society be cohesive when people don't know each other personally and there's not contract law, right? And 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 so Tra- you, giant trade routes, right? You still had a situation where there were people that were very much the elite and profiting tremendously. Oh, of course, from from the creation of those institutions, yes. and it was a way of of keeping the populace literally in fear right. of of going to hell. The consequence of of acting. You well, know, if you're a billionaire, you don't want your security guards to shoot you. Just convince them that they'll, they'll, go, to hell. they'll go to hell if they do. Well, and even right. worse, what if your money goes to hell? That would be. Well, the, this is what's interesting is that, you know, in the scenario they're talking about, money's worthless. Right. Right. So they're going like, oh, shit, we've amassed billions and it will suddenly be worthless. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know how to have value outside of that. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, this is the, the this is what's amazing is to realize that if you destroy a culture through overconsumption and overaccumulation and over promotion of of this political and resource ideology we have right now there's nothing to protect you if you're if you're uber wealthy there's nothing left well so getting back to what what would we advise to the billionaire types what would we advise to people like us who are far from billionaire types and that is well, I guess I would say a couple of things. One is beware the stories, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think you can look objectively and scientifically at uh, the trends that are out there and be very concerned. Yeah. And and I think it is safe to make an assumption that the future will not look like the present, yeah. right? But maybe avoid thinking that it's either going to be problem solved because technology is going to come to the rescue, or it's going to be hopeless and we're all going to go right. extinct in you know twenty years or something right. like that, and say that we're going to go through lots of 
shocks, but it may be that this is a long, longer protracted yes. experience. And so let's work towards softening that landing, but yeah. let's also maybe work towards things that have some kind of an immediate reward. Because if we, if, if the reason why people are going to movie theaters, you know, for the shock and awe of that moment, right, is because they're not having that experience in their lives. You know, they're looking for that, that dopamine hit, the adrenaline, whatever it is, you know, can we provide ones for them that are, that put us on the right path yeah. for the yeah. future, well, but they're still feeding that part of themselves. That's right? some pretty good advice, but I would probably say that better would be to go find yourself some infinity stones or, or other magic rock-like <laughs> substances so that you can just control whatever outcome right, well, is, is, is out there. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to say goodbye to you guys because I'm going to go look out in Jason's field and see if I can find some of those. Yeah, I'm sure there are. If, if those aren't there, maybe you find some mushrooms. All right, that sounds good. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to the podcast, and while you're at it, rate or review it at iTunes. That really helps get in front of more people. To learn more, visit postcarbon.org slash crazytown. And if you want to actually learn something instead of listening to us bozos, you should check out Post Carbon Institute's Think Resilience course. It's four hours, 20 bucks, and will seriously change the way you see the world. Catch you next time on the mean streets at Crazy Town. This episode is brought to us by a trade organization, the Distilled Opium Uppers Cocaine Hemp Ecstasy Collective, also known as Douche. Oh my gosh, you know, as as podcast celebrities, we all know we get some great swag from time to yeah, time. For yeah. sure, yeah. <laughs> this this had to be the best. I mean, I took a douche. Did you, you took a douche? I took a douche too. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, think about it. All these drugs in and of themselves are pretty powerful. I mean, cocaine on its own but when you combine it together like this it's an it's an amazing thing well and the amazing thing about douche is that their scientists have taken each of these and pulled only the highest quality natural grade pieces out and turned it into a safe product that opens the doorways of perception and it's organic oh yeah all organic well i was able to speak to the grand poobah and his sidekick deepak chopra and I finally understand. So like like when he when Jeepak said, Don't take care of your body. Let your body take care of you. Douche. <laughs>